1: But so many teams have more than 10 games to go, and we have been talking about this. We are going to likely be left where there's teams competing for last spot, specifically in the National League, Kevin. The Giants, the Reds, and the St. Louis Cardinals come to mind who are not even scheduled to get to 60 games. If they play everything remaining on their schedule, Kevin with the double headers and if we assume no more rain no more covid no more poor air quality in the west coast they still will only get to 58 games and because of kind of the tightness at the bottom of the nl playoff race kev i think winning percentage is going to come into play what are your thoughts on this
2: i think it is ridiculous that we don't know definitively if winning percentage will come into play, if it is allowed to come hmm. into play, because whether the Cardinals are out by two games, in by two games, if you look at the state of the National League, it is incredibly likely that that is the case. I don't know if it is worse or better for Major League Baseball that those two games are up against the Detroit Tigers, who very likely will not need those two games. I legitimately don't know if that's better or worse for them. I kind of can't believe that we don't have this answer, and yet we have day one TV channels attached to the start of the playoffs. But I also don't know why I can't believe it. Because this is why it's like every single time we enter a new threshold with baseball, they kind of have to show how much they are flying by the seat of their pants.
1: Yeah, I I think that is fair, Kev. And so let's look at this National League with some of the teams we're talking about, right? I mean, the Cardinals had a doubleheader yesterday. And, of course, they are right back at it. They sent Dakota Hudson to the mound. At least now they are in Pittsburgh, right, against the Pirates team that is 20 games under 500. But I guess that's the point also, Kev. They're going to have to play doubleheaders aplenty this weekend against the team that – you know, competitively, they should be able to handle, but I don't know what their rotation, their bullpen is going to look like because of kind of the Iron Man that they've had to play. Talk to me about this Cardinals Pirates series that's going to be happening throughout the weekend. Do you think the Cardinals will, you know, win the series? And even if you do, how big of a compromise is it that, you know, these doubleheaders are creeping upon them?
2: Yeah, I think the thing is, though, and and that phrase there of creeping up on them, I'm curious of how true that is in a way that they... And I mean, it's not necessarily that you meant sneak, but uh, is the idea that they've been kind of prepared for this, right? They've now known that these doubleheaders were coming. Yeah. You would like to think, right? I mean, if Dane, you and I can sit down and... Write out plotted out draft yeah. on, on how we think the NFL draft is going to go. Picks 1 through 30. And I'd like to think the St. Louis Cardinals can sit out there and have a mock rotation. Games 45 to game 58. And try and get a sense of how this is going to look for them. Obviously, things can go wrong. A guy gets let up. Sure. A guy gets banged up. But you'd like to have a mock draft idea of what the rotation is going to look like. I'll just say... They've got all these games against the Pirates and a bunch more against the Brewers. Both of those teams sit below 500 to be fair yeah. so to the Cardinals. But, you know, <laughs> these are not just any old games. Like these are winnable baseball games for a team right now that has is the same amount of games back as the Reds off of them the Chicago Cubs and any other teams that they might be chasing in the postseason hunt. So, This Cardinals team is very much so going to quickly become the story in
1: Major
0: League
2: Baseball. This is why it's called the early line, kind of beating them to the punch
1: that's what we try to do here wake up early and let you people know what will be the stories as we move forward the NL Central is interesting I turn our attention to the NL East as well the Philadelphia Phillies are one of those teams locked in the middle of a battle they will have a lot of double headers the rest of the way in as well and they have the New York Mets this weekend, okay, and Kev you mentioned the Mets uh, yesterday their run differential is actually better than some of the other contenders they get a win and so they are kind of right there. However, Kevin, Jacob deGrom left the Mets start last night. It looks like there's a little tightness for Jacob deGrom. And I mean, maybe they can contend or maybe they can make a run, but it ain't going to matter if there's no two-time defending NL Cy Young Award winner.
2: Yeah, you know, we don't really know the full nature of this and whether or not the sure. bomb will start again regardless of the Met standing he will want to because he is trying to chase a third Cy Young, which he is certainly in the running for, although maybe not the clubhouse leader at the moment. But, you know, they're also only two games back of one of the of that last spot where the Cincinnati Reds sit right now at 25 and 26. The Mets are at 22 and 27, also meaning that then the Mets would have two games in hand so they (laughs) can push forward. And look at that quick math for you, Dane. So they can get, if they Mm -hmm. are able to win those two games, it'd only be a game off of Cincinnati. And that was an awesome win for the Mets. I mean, that is a game that now unfortunately for Mets fans, they kind of still have to get it here a little gruff, because it's like, oh yeah, of course you somehow won this game, where DeGrom had no chance to get a win, but right. he only pitched two innings, wasn't sharp, left them with a 3 uh deficit, and they fight all the way back, they tie it up 4-4, get the lead in the top of the ninth, Edwin Diaz comes in, strikes out the first two, single, Didi's up, oh no, please, strikes out Didi, and closes the door, so it, look, they're going to have to beat some good teams here. The Mets are one of those teams, you take a look at strength of schedule to close it out. Yeah. You know, a Rays schedule feels like it looms large, even though that team quietly losing baseball games and letting the Yankees <laughs> sneak up on them. But it, look, the, the Mets are, are right in the mix here. Yeah, and I'm about
1: to say something, Kev, that a few months oh. ago would have been outlandish to say. Another team we have to focus on this weekend and for the rest of the season is the Miami Marlins. And, Kev, (laughs) listen to this, Kevin. Yeah. They... Get the privilege of drawing the Boston Red Sox this weekend. And so what if I told you this, that in the last week of the season, the Marlins Red Sox series was going to be very important for one of the teams to make the playoffs. And it's lucky that that playoff contender is playing a team with the worst record in their league yet. It's the Marlins that are the playoff contender, and it is the Bosox who are the doormat that the team gets lucky to face at the bottom of the league. We have strange bedfellows here in the stretch of Major League Baseball. When we come back here on the early line, we will continue to look at it, all the potential for chaos theory because Kevin and I are hoping for that. Let's see if it comes to pass. More in the early lineup next.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here on to the early line on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. We also want to welcome in our radio audience from around the country. Thanks for waking up early with us, especially out there on the West Coast with the mightier 1090. Kev, you know, we have been looking at this National League picture, right, with the, the, the Marlins and the Car- how many games they have to make up. I want to ask you about something in the American League picture that um, has sort of fallen by the wayside, Kev. I mean— That AL Central, remember how we were saying, oh my goodness, there's three teams that could win that division? I think we have to revise that forecast because the Cleveland Indians have lost eight in a row, Kev. And it's really just the White Sox and the Twins left standing. But moreover, the Indians, with this eight-game losing streak, has started to fall into like... They may now have a little bit of a threat of some of these other also-rans catching them. They are in Detroit, I believe, for the weekend. We've done this before, right? We said, uh-oh, is the sky falling for the Yanks? Is the sky falling for the Astros? I don't know if we've noticed, but the Indians have lost eight in a row. Level of concern for Cleveland.
2: Um, You know, again, it's all relative, right? So if you take a look at Cleveland, they right now yep. are four games clear Of the Baltimore Orioles. Yes. Which would be their most immediate concern. Or I guess the Mariners maybe. eh, Kind of. But they're also four games clear of them. That's four of both of them. Yes. It would be pretty surprising. For them to mess that up. But. The Cleveland Indians were in a position. Not many moons ago. To sit on the top of this central mountain. And. Cleveland is a team that I at one point found like there was some value on the futures market, though they are a team that fits a description that I've just – it's a personal thing I get frustrated with. And it's not that it doesn't make sense, but it's like, oh, my God, they have three good pitchers. How do they ever lose a postseason game? (laughs) And it's like, easy. Watch. And now, right – the dreaded matchup of the Cleveland Indians and Shane Bieber and Carlos Carrasco, as if these right. guys right, aren't pitching for them during this eight game losing streak, they're getting set now to potentially cancel out what was their biggest advantage if they draw the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, right now, they would draw the White Sox. But mm. if Cleveland ends up drawing Tampa Bay, who again is currently losing games and the Yankees are hot on their heels only three games back, but. If they were to draw Tampa Bay, and it goes Bieber, Snell, Carrasco, Big Three four.
1: versus
2: Big Three, it's it's you've kind of mitigated your uh, advantage that on paper you're supposed to have amongst the rest of these playoff teams.
1: I think that's fair. You know, but Kevin, you have been smart to point out all season long, right? That most of these playoff contenders have at least some semblance of a big two, big three, right? So you are making the point that all the way down the line to game three, it could kind of uh, be a net neutral. Right. But I think we're going to see a lot of that to your previous points, you know, over the last month or two um, at Mm -hmm. the top of most of these rotations. I do want to make one other note in the National League, Kev, the Los Angeles Dodgers, with their victory last night, clinch a playoff spot. They are the first team to technically qualify for the playoffs. So we tip our cap to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Kev, do you still believe the Dodgers should be uh, the runaway favorites in the National League. At last check, you know, when I look at kind of the um, the National League board, I see the Dodgers at plus 145. The, the Padres in their same division are the second choice. You know, they wouldn't see them. They would see them potentially in a 1-4 matchup. But the Dodgers have a huge kind of uh, edge in the betting markets in the National League. They are the first team
2: to clinch. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that they should be big-time favorites in the NL? So I think the easiest way to answer that question is by letting you know that I have been contemplating for a while now, betting them at that exact number. Well, it was plus 150, plus 145, though. Not much of a difference for me. I look at this Dodgers team, and I look at the rest of the National League, and it does feel like a gap that is that wide. Yet we have this conversation on a day where this team's route to the world series right think about it from the lakers perspective blazers oh my god what a dangerous eighth seed no i hear you the rockets a four five that nobody wants now the lakers ultimately handled business and then the clippers didn't even show up to the but the dodgers can
1: see the padres who technically have the second best record in the national league earlier than they're supposed to the path may be more gauntlet ish than you think yeah
2: and cleveland right now is that eighth spot which again even if pitching isn't going to automatically win you games rather not, not cleveland sonny Cincy, gray, trevor, Cincy. Right, right, Cincy, right excuse me excuse me since he right i'd rather not though do this whole trevor bauer louis castillo who looked awesome <laughs> yesterday yeah. right and That's sonny right. gray who should be back and ready to go if this team ends up in the postseason right so That's where now I'm trying to figure this out here, because I still believe the Dodgers are the best team. I believe they are accurately priced. I'm trying to figure out, though, is it really worth it when they're absolutely going to be playing the Padres in round two if the Padres advance? Like, they will be matched up bracket-wise. There's no way the Padres are falling off of the 4-5 line, right? And... The Padres might be the second team to clinch a playoff spot, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, they have the second best record. Like, you, you said that accurately. when you, when, you know. So that's the thing that I'm trying to kind of figure out with the Dodgers is am I actually better off waiting for the bracket to get set mm. as opposed to jumping on them right now at a plus number that I don't know how long we'll sit there because they have proven to be levels above the rest of this league.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting, and I just want to remind everybody, we've only got 10 days left, and there's going to be some movement in seating. there's going to be a team that gets left out, and that National League, if we need to go to the uh, idea of winning percentage... I expect, Kev, that when we're here like a week and a half on that Monday, we are going to be talking, I believe, about a National League team that has a legitimate gripe on the outside <laughs> looking in. But let's turn our attention, Kev, can now I to – Can I
2: just uh, ask you oh, yeah, one yeah, more ahead. thing on Major League Baseball? Yeah, what's up? Um, it's funny I want to show. go to the NBA, which I know you I know, love. But sure, we can
1: talk more about big, big
2: picture, Big picture baseball, you've got my attention. This is going to be pretty unique, and it's not something we've really had the opportunity to talk about. And I don't know if we're going to be able to really do it justice in this spot here anyway. But there's something to be said about the fact that the Dodgers have not played the Cubs or the Braves all year long. And the fact that that has never been the case before. Yeah, And the fact that these top teams are so unfamiliar with one another. I don't know what it ultimately means. I don't know what the edge of it all is. But I just kind of wanted to make that point in how truly unique this season is.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think that's fair. And I think that happens in a lot of ways. And we're going to have to figure out, you and I are going to have to try to make meaning of that fact, right? Like, that's a fact. But how you want to play it is interesting. Like, because honestly, my knee-jerk reaction is that might actually benefit some of these like young, hot, streaky teams like the White Sox, like the Padres, right? When a team from another division who hasn't seen this version of the White Sox all year long, or hasn't seen this, hasn't seen Fernando Tatis all year long, and is now going to have to deal with it, right? So I think you're right, or hasn't seen like these kids on Toronto all year long. My knee-jerk reaction is that might help some of these younger teams where there's less film or less familiarity right like the guys on the yankees or the astros right whoever let's say Tampa sees the Astros on some way they've got a book on each other already they do not have a book on Luis Robert yet you know what I mean so I think Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting point and we will see how it plays out I do want to still go to the association where after an overtime game one the Heat and the Celtics renew hostilities Kev Um, right here the Celtics are two and a half point favorites and Kev these totals continue to kind of go down we're at 208 and a I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kev. They needed overtime in Game One to get above the number, um which they did in
2: overtime. No, they did it in regulation. No, and that's why I keep staring at this total. They did do it in regulation. It was one of they six a piece apiece. Now, okay. again, slightly got there, got there by, <laughs> by by a slim margin, but that's why I'm. And listen, look, there's not a lot of movement here in this total. I believe it was 209. We're now sitting here at 208 and a half. Okay. It was such a weird game, though, Dane, to where it's hard to figure out, like, the first
1: quarter. Right. If we see the Miami Heat of the first and third quarters, I know what's going to happen. But if we see the Miami Heat of the second and fourth quarters, I know what's going to
2: happen. And it's dramatically different. Right, and, and, like that's, and that's the thing here, right? So the first quarter, right, 44 points. And then that's followed up yep. by the second quarter with the heat showing up, right? And all of a sudden, we had 66 points. And it's like, oh my goodness, look at all of these points. And then in the third quarter, we were back down to 44 points. And then we go up to 58. And it's yeah. like, can these things level out? But if they level out, What's kind of, like, Which where are way? we going to
0: go, right? Because <laughs> right.
2: it's not like we got there in regulation by a lot. I mean, yeah. we got there no, I by, you. by a small margin. Yeah. Was, again, you know, two twelve. This total, I feel like I want to go over. The question, I think, becomes, if you're Miami, are you saying to yourselves that we need to be replicating that type of offensive output to win these games? And if you're Boston, are you saying, you know, we need to catch up or is it our defense has to be better over a full 48? It's probably some combination, but it's incredibly interesting what we want to do with this total. Right, and
1: I am so interested because, listen, this was like one play here, one play there. This was a close game at the end. And here's the other thing that I'll leave for you to ponder over the break, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I actually believe that Eric Spolstra, And Brad Stevens are two of the best coaches at making adjustments in the NBA. So what are we going to see? That's what I want to know when we come back.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Dave Martinez and Kevin Walsh burning the candle at both ends. You can hear him on in-game live. You can hear him also here on the early line every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern time. And, Kev, you know, we talked about the adjustments and the coaching, and I really think that's something to look at. Um, I heard in game one, they said on the telecast, did you know that apparently Brad Stevens and Eric Spolstra also, like, go jogging at the same time and frequently, like, bump into each other and that they've kept it cordial, but that, that it may change? I just say that to mean, like, I, these guys are not clones of each other or anything like that, but I trust both of these young coaches with these teams that I think I think are built a little similar. I know you, you, you've you pushed back on me on that at times, and I really think it's going to be about which one of them makes the adjustment that works for like a long enough time that the other one has to adjust to back and forth. The chess match of it all is something I think is going to be very intriguing in the Eastern Conference Finals.
2: Yeah, I'm sure now that they probably can't speak as much about the respective series that they're in because it's different, different jogging other. routes. Yeah, I mean, or they probably just talked about like Kawhi Leonard scoring zero points in the fourth quarter with his season on the line. Good of, like, opportunity to George get that in, Ted. Sure, of course, same. that's what they talk. No, about. I just, I mean, I mean, <laughs> listen, relevant news in the NBA. I'm sure that's what sure fellas are talking <laughs> about. Um, what I just think that this is a series that is, I this is gonna, a very large scale thing, but. We need to very much so appreciate the four teams that remain in the bubble for years. Okay, the perception around the league has been: Ah, there's two teams that can win the title. Who cares about the regular season? Oh yeah, it's wake me up when it's LeBron and the Warriors, Warriors in June. Yeah. Right, right. It's it's all it's all a waste of our time. Right. And unfortunately, a lot of years it was kind of proven true, right? In that like, oh look, exactly who we thought would be there is there. And we entered this season with a a much wider field. But there is one team that felt like they were the reigning champions. All they had was the reigning finals MVP on their team. And they were bounced. And you take a look at now, you know, what's left for us in the Western Conference. And yeah, there's this idea, right? You know, the Lakers are now big minus money favorites. But that's because they are the one team that has taken care of business. And they have continually showed up on a nightly basis during the regular season. And I think that they've been rewarded for that. And then you take a look at it from the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics perspective. And we look at this series and Dana, as I was kind of getting ready for our show today. A part of me was, you know, ah, what do I want to say about this game? And it's like, I don't know because I don't right. know what's going to happen. It's so right. unique. It is so new, right? The feeling yeah. of this Eastern Conference Finals. Two teams that feel like maybe they're here a year early two teams that feel like they absolutely should expect to get here next year and two teams that are are doing it in just such different ways like I, like Tyler Hero in these triple doubles and Bam Adebayo yeah, in yeah, defensive yeah. plays and Marcus Smart the marksman that he's become and you know <laughs> Jason Tatum ascending before everyone's eyes and it's just it sounds i, I don't know maybe a little corny but I am so appreciative for the conference finals that we are being given right now in the NBA. I think it's done an excellent job kind of, you know, you always like to use the phrase tie a nice, neat little bow. I think it, it does that a little bit here for the NBA under the umbrella of this was an unpredictable season that mm-hmm. was uh, with a more open field than we have seen in years past.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, you know, we talk about it sometimes and we make jokes, Kevin, that there's like there's something of an age gap between us. So let me zoom it out even to a bigger picture perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. I think in the NBA, okay, we are getting to a time and I know you love LeBron, Kev, but like LeBron is on the back nine of his career. He just is. And you have to accept that, right? And like all these ascending young kids. No, hold on, Kev. And to your point, though, to your point about why it's exciting, why it's fresh, why it's new. You know what I mean? And I think there is this influx of amazing young talent. You hear Doris Burke all the time say the NBA is in good hands, right, with all these young kids. And I think that's part of your excitement. Don't get me wrong. The Lakers are there. They're the one seed, right? They're the one who should be standing right now. They should We technically should see one verse two and one verse two. They're the only one of the four who have gotten there as they should, right? But generally speaking, Right. I think the basketball fan has to expect and is excited for just like you said, that newness. It's more wide open than it ever has been. I am reminded, and this is where I bring up the age thing, right? Of when like Jordan finally walked away, Kev, you know, or, mm-hmm. or we knew that Jordan was sunsetting and it's like his stranglehold on it. Wasn't there anymore? The patriots stranglehold on it isn't there as much anymore, right? So that there's an excitement about what comes next. And I think we're in if you look at the big picture aspect of the cycle turning, right? I think we're in that phase where some of the, you know some of the huge brand name stars that the general public knows, right? Got some gray hairs now. And it's time to look and focus on these new ascending guys. And that's like new rivalries, new dynasties potentially. And I think that is a big part of what you are talking okay. about. I do want to change. Oh, go ahead. We got the I just, NBA. No, I just
2: want to quickly say, just 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 the, re- the reason though why I slightly just chuckle is because you're like, yes, it's the back nine. But he's also still like unanimously now recognizes still the best player sure. in the league. But it is different in that. He is not inevitable in the way that he had been in years past. He wasn't in right. the playoffs last year. And that's right. why they play pushed forward and treated the regular season with the importance that they did. And we have, you know, Giannis is about to win back to back MVPs and not make it to the NBA Finals. It's just so different from what we've seen in years past. And yes, no, and I just wanted to agree with kind of what you're saying, but also explain as to why I find it. Fu- it's funny. It's just like he's still the best player in the league. And it's like, yeah, yeah he's on the back nine. I think both could wild... be true. It is. Kev, no, I think yes. both
1: could be true, right? He could still be the best player Unless, in the world, no right? Unless no
2: back nine exists and he's going to play for <laughs> and still be Well,
1: the best listen, player. Tom Brady's still pushing the hands of time as well, right? <laughs> but even in that analogy, right? Like, I think it's possible both things can be true, Kev. LeBron can still be the best basketball player on planet Earth. And... It can still be a much more open NBA than it has been in years past. Both of those things can be true. And I think we are experiencing both of those things right now. But let's now turn to the NFL in week two. Because, Kev, yesterday, and as you know, I say this all the time on Wednesday, we will get our first practice reports and first injury reports of the week, right? And there's a number of key players that we've heard that we're going to have to keep our eye on throughout the rest of the week. And we have some of them. We know about George Kittle with that sprained knee as the Niners go across the country to see the Jets. I mean, Richard Sherman was put on IR for those Niners as well. I think Denver is interesting, right? Running back Philip Lindsay dealing with that turf toe, conflicting reports there. But their number one corner, A.J. Bouye, also sidelined with Pittsburgh and Big Ben, you know, kind of coming on in. We talked about The Pittsburgh side, James Conner, how will that play out with Benny Snell? It doesn't matter who the running back is because the entire right side of the Steelers' offensive line is down. And there are others, Devontae Parker, Kenny Galladay, and more. Which? player kev are you going to have your eye on most not because he's on your fantasy team but because you think it moves the needle the most for their nfl team like what when we see injury reports tomorrow and friday who are you going to prioritize to see if it's trending in the
2: right direction for me it's the niners and i think there might be i might argue to you that there's a decent gap between the rest of the people on the board because it was a longer list than what you would like george kittle first or second right has come to tight ends in this league and his importance to his team i would probably argue puts him over a travis kelsey they're also without debo samuel i believe brandon Ayuk is still not going to play their first round wide receiver that they drafted their top corner richard sherman who was a top three corner in football last year is not missing this game they're getting or they're laying seven points On the road, traveling west to east against the New York Jets. That 7 is now minus 120 if you're going to take the points with the Jets. If we see Kittle ruled out, I got to think this drops below the flat 7 down to 6.5. I know the Jets looked awful in week 1. And I might be trying to will this into existence because I might still be willing to you play may. six and a half with may. the Niners despite <laughs> all of the injuries. But it is worth asking about, at what point do the Niners have to be banged up to where we go, Right. okay, listen, this team is depleted. Like, are we at right. a point where it's like, as long as Shanahan and Jimmy G get on the plane, I got the Niners by double digits?
1: so and this is this is a good point to make remember kev the, mon- the books adjust it based on the money and the bets that are coming in and a lot of that is public perception so I will answer your question with a question back to you do you think the general public believes yeah even without Kittle the Niners can go west to east and beat this version of the Jets who by the way remember will also be without their best offensive player right so if you downgrade the Niners for Kittle you got to downgrade the Jets for Le'Veon Bell even though maybe Adam Gaze doesn't down grade the jets for Le'Veon bell i personally i think it's a different team kev i think it's the pittsburgh steelers okay and because pittsburgh looked impressive people were like oh big ben is back we've had the conversation about their strategic approach with the running back room right like will all of a sudden benny snell be a bell cow if connor is active and healthy how will that allocation go but honestly i mentioned it when we kind of listed them they're starting running back is one thing kev Mm-hmm. The fact that they're starting right guard and they're starting right tackle look like they are out. One of them, Banner, it looks like is out for the year. Wisniewski is also out, it looks like, for this week at least, right? And I mentioned this because people are all about fantasy and the skill positions. Oh, my God, Kittle. Oh, my God, you know, Devontae Parker may be out, right? But you know this because of the next thing we'll bring up in Philadelphia. The offensive line is so important. Kev and I truly believe that yeah, their starting running back could be one thing, but if the entire right side of the line is down for Pittsburgh, that can have a huge impact for them long term. I've got my eye on Pittsburgh and how
2: they handle their injuries. I'm glad you brought this game up because there are a couple of spots here, as you know, we are now on Football Friday Eve that we're yeah. going to talk about tomorrow, where I find myself tempted to take points. Yet the one thing that might stop me is that last week, and we saw this, only once did a team did it matter? lose in cover. And now it is maybe not always that drastic, although it is not incredibly often that that spread is going to come into play. Now, right. the bigger the number, the better chance you have. So the Steelers laying seven and the hook is important, as opposed to even if it was just six and a half that's why we always talk about key numbers sure but that is a spot where and i came away a little bit less impressed i think on the steelers than some and denver i think maybe i give a bit more chance despite some of their injuries than some but that seven and a hook is enticing but i also don't really think denver can win the game And I feel like am I setting myself up to be in no man's land or Hmm. could this just be the spot where the seven matters? It could be. I think you are right. Our friend Gabe
1: Morris, he talks about it all the time. Just bet who you think will win the game because a lot of times that point spread doesn't matter. But a full seven could matter for something like this. I also expect maybe a lower scoring game making a touchdown spread pretty important. Kev, we've got more college football to talk about when we come back Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Kev, we talked about it yesterday, and it sounds like it's going to be official. It sounds like the Big Ten is coming back. I am hearing October 24th weekend. Okay, I have so many questions about this. Is it the right decision? Will the Pac-12 change and follow suit? We have all sorts of conversations about getting to the start line but then getting to the finish line. What does that mean for the college playoff and the top 25 rankings? What are your initial thoughts here with this news that the Big Ten, they're going to play come late
2: October? So, as, you know, as far as the right decision, wrong decision stuff, you know what, Dan, you and I have been doing that for so long. Fair uh, enough. And I think people know where we stand on a lot of this stuff. What I'm really interested in is, you know, we've talked about ramp ups, right? Mm. when it comes to hitting the restart button. Now, I believe that a lot of these Big Ten players have been around campus, so maybe they'll be able to get after it a little bit quicker than we would think. But I just wonder if we all of a sudden, at the end of an Ohio State game, against a, I don't want to say Indiana, but a not upper echelon team, right? and we go, eh, you know what? There's your variance. There's your there's your wildness. Mm. That's what happens when you when you start a little bit late. And I, I wonder if the Big Ten has the opportunity to be a little bit messy in terms of because the thing about college football is oh, like when you look at Ohio State, you're like, look, are they gonna lose once or go unbeaten? Now you might right, get, right, right. you know, messed up when you're laying forty five points to Rutgers and Ohio State wins the game forty one nothing. But they're always gonna win that football game. I don't think Rutgers is going to beat an Ohio State, but could a Rutgers beat a Michigan State this year? And just those are the kind of things I think about the Big Ten. Could it be upset Central?
1: Yeah, it's very possible. We talked about this idea of variance in this context all year in 2020. My two things go to, great, the conference, but as I said yesterday, individual schools and then individual key players may opt out. I mean, we had a lot of top picks, everyone from Jamar Chase, right, like on LSU to an Oregon offensive lineman. The other thing, you talk about ramp up, you know what I think about? hamstrings kev i think about hamstrings and how many of them are going to get pulled in the first two weeks we got the top 25 up as well and you know we're going to have to have some big 10 teams in there as well sorry appalachian state sorry kentucky i think those spots are going to be taken by another power 5 con you know school we continue this conversation we look at thursday night football
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com